Hello, hello, hello. Oh, God. Oh, hello, 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 and welcome back to Deconstruction Disney here on the Commented Podcast, where we take a deep dive into the making, origin, lasting impact of Disney films. I'm Tori. I'm Marin. I'm Mia. And I'm Decoria. Today, we were taking a deep dive into the 1970 animated original Disney film, The Aristocrats. The Aristocrats was directed by Wolfgang Gretemann, story by Ken Anderson, Larry Klinsman, Eric Clayworth, Vance Geary, Julius Seven Disson. Se- mm, okay, a European last name. Frank Thomas, <laughs> Ralph Wright. Um, it was based on The Aristocrats by Tom McGowan and Tom Rowe, uh, starring Phyllis Harris, Ava Gaber, Sterling Holloway, Scatman Crothers, Paul Winchell, Lord Tim Hudson, Terrell Ramscore, and a bunch of other people. Released December 11th, 1970. Well, premiered December 11th, 1970. Released in the United States on the 24th, right before on Christmas Eve. It's 79 minutes. Don't know why the fuck that is. Um, as you can see by my tone, <laughs> this is going to be a roughly short <laughs> deconstructing Disney, in my humble opinion, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Marin, have mm-hmm. you seen The Aristocrats before? Uh, no. Um, and when I was searching this up, I found out it's Aristocats. Aristocats, yes. yes. I'm gonna say Aristocrats all the time. Yes, it's yeah, Aristocats. I did not know that, so no. <laughs> never watched this. Uh, uh, Corey, have you seen Aristocats before? I don't think I have. I know for a fact I've heard some of the songs from it, but I think I may have just seen it on, like, a TV compilation of, like, disney music videos or something but i don't think Mm -hmm. i've actually like sat down and watched this movie before i've definitely heard of it though okay okay what about you nia yeah i had excuse me i had seen this movie several times as a kid i think i had the vhs i i I don't know if i made that up or not but Mm -hmm. i've seen this movie where i was watching this today and i was like oh i remember that oh i remember that yeah so i've seen this several times what about you tori I've definitely seen it more than once. I think, if anything, the music has kind of stuck with me. Uh, uh, interestingly enough, it's not the song you think it is. <laughs> with that being said, uh, I'm about to do the quickest recap of a movie because <laughs> I'm telling y'all that this movie sounds like something else familiar, and I'll let y'all put the pieces together. Um, if I was doing this in a TikTok, this is how I would describe this movie. Rich French woman has many cats. Rich French woman does not have any living relatives, so she wants to give all of her money to her many cats. Um, Greedy Butler overhears rich French woman's plans, then decides to kidnap cats and leave them in the countryside to die. Um, Now, the French cats and her three kids are in the countryside when they meet an alley cat who's also in the countryside the alley cat tries to hit on our single french cat mother um realizes she has kids and they he was going to not go with them at first but then he's like you know what the kids are cute let's help y'all get back to paris they hop on a milk truck that ultimately they get kicked off of run into some um they start walking on a railroad track almost died this is like the third time these kittens have almost died because of they're just small and tiny in this big world alley cat goes to save kitten that's drowning meets two crazy geese from england who almost let him drown um they travel with crazy geese back to paris they meet alley cats um racist character character friends uh sing really bad jazz song about wanting to be a cat uh return back to madame french woman's house almost get kidnapped and sent to timbuktu by greedy butler but then alley cat and alley cat's friends help rich cat alley cat is then adopted into rich cat family and therefore we have a happy ending now i don't know about you (laughs) <laughs> but I feel like I've done a recap on this movie before. Does this sound familiar, y'all? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You there? Hand up in the back? Yes? Yes? Does this sound like 101 Dimensions? Absolutely. <laughs> I... 
when I tell you, y'all, I know you're probably thinking, wow, y'all really are going to go into this movie. What else do y'all want me to tell you? <laughs> there was two crazy dogs that heard them in the countryside. Does that not also sound familiar <laughs> to 101 Dalmatians? A hound dog that's bossy and can hear good things. And there was a horse too. Was there also a horse in 101 Dalmatians? Absolutely. I, <laughs> when this I is like. The- don't, it's like it's like uh let me copy your homework but make sure you change some of the words <laughs> it is. is there some i feel like watching this movie is like going to watch a movie with the kids it's like they made a kids movie and then put in like really hidden jokes for adults uh-huh. and then racism that's literally it's the entire film um, I'm telling you this it's not worth 79 minutes of your time they literally could have did the movie in a 15 minute movie and it still would have been the same cause why is an alley cat in the middle of the French countryside in the first place um, why is he hitting on the mom cat so hard and why are they making <laughs> why are they choosing to make the relationship between the cats like so heavily implied but like in your face <laughs> for an animated film at this point in time which is still targeted towards families aka kids will be watching this though there's nothing really inappropriate that a kid would get on first watch um i felt like it was supposed to be entertaining for adults i feel like this is we're still in the era of disney I, you know what this feels like <laughs> before we get into introducing facts i know we usually say this for the end but i want y'all to know that's why i'm not doing a in-depth <laughs> review of this movie because all you need to know, we'll get to the important parts, but it literally feels like I was watching a piece of media in the time after white people had stopped demonizing jazz music and everything that has to do with jazz music. And they're like, wait, jazz is cool. We should use it as an element in our stories again. Like you just didn't get done doing that in the motherfucking Jungle Book. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like they took the music from Jungle Book and the story from 101 Dalmatians and made a movie and it it sucked <laughs> it was it's literally <laughs> the exact same plot of 101 dimensions but it will never be iconic because it doesn't have cruella <laughs> it's 101 dimensions without cruella um was it funnier no uh was it more entertaining no uh <laughs> Was the movie, I think the only thing I liked about it was the animation style. I really do miss this animation era of Disney. But the more and more I watch Disney films, the more and more I realize nobody should ever be selling their original stories mm-hmm. to Disney ever. <laughs> like, ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. With that being said, we're going to do things out of order this week. And we're going to have Marin start off with the origins of the story. Cool. And then I'll jump into interesting production facts. Okay. So, my sources are mouseplanet.com, The Secret Origins of Aristocats, and silverpetticoatreview.com. So, apparently, the Aristocats was inspired by true events in which a family of cats in 1910 Paris inv- inherited a fortune. Um, a lot of sites say that they just say this, but they'll also say, like, there's no real evidence or proof of this. And Disney's story story was based on a story by Tim McGowan and Tom Rowe. Um, however, there are other sources that say that Tom Rowe wrote the original story, um, and that McGowan just paid a bunch of like Rowan's expenses. Since Rowan, Tom Rowe was an American writer that was living in Paris, but essentially McGowan uh, brought Harry Title the story that had been written by Tom Rowe. Title and McGowan spent a few days making revision to Rowe's version. By August, they sent the completed script to Burbank, where it was turned it was returned as rejected by the Disney Studio. However, this rejection did not come from Walt, who had seen the story, but by the by his underlings. Title was uh, hesitant to contact Walt directly, but that didn't stop McGowan, who tracked Walt down in London and slipped the story into an envelope and deli- delivered it to the front desk of the cannot the hotel where walt was staying um walt liked the story and called mcgowan at his home before mcgowan had even returned from dropping off the envelope walt told mcgowan that he would 
be seeing title in Lisbon and that they would go over the story. Title did meet with Walt in Lisbon and on the plane trip back to London, Walt told title to buy the story, prepare it as a live action feature that McGowan would direct and title would produce. Uh, Walt felt that there was too much material in the script and suggested eliminating the musical Kitten as well as other cuts and revisions. In January 1963, Title was in London was in a London hospital for some surgery, and during his recovery, he worked in his hospital room with McGowan and Rowe on revisions. The script was finally finished February February 1st, and Title and Title returned to Burbank to begin preparations for shooting in Paris. In June, Walt showed Title a letter from Rowe. Apparently, Rowe was unhappy with the revisions to the script, and and in particular with Title, who felt with Title, who he felt was a minion of Walt sent to corrupt the work. Walt, however, was happy with Title's work and allowed Title to respo- respond to the letter himself. You know what? Walt ain't shit. It was just a difference of opinion and was sorry about his feelings on the matter, but that Walt liked the changes and that they would remain. For a variety of reasons, the Disney studio shelled the story f- uh, for a while, and McGowan attempted to buy back the rights from Disney, but was refused. Since stories for animated films were becoming more difficult to come by, Title, in a discussion with Walt, suggested the Aristocats might make a good Disney animated feature. The idea was run past Willie Reitherman, who was then a supervising director on the animated features, and some of the key animators, and they all agreed. And, it, and in August 1963, Walt asked for the copy of the Aristocats script, and two days later, Card Cardwalker announced it would be the next animated feature. However, work on the project didn't continue until May 1964, and the film would be released in 1970, four years after Walt's death. Dun, dun, mm. The end. Again, supporting my conclusions that you did not sell your original works to Disney. <laughs> Y'all right. see they're running out of material now. Although, a lot of their upcoming stuff looks great. Mm-hmm. Now that they're, you know, working with people of color, this actually. Is, but this is a real disappointing film after The Jungle Book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Extremely. <laughs> it's it's literally, that's the thing. It's like, I want to know what the original script was and what Walt cut it down to. Because literally Walt just cut it down to 100 Dalmatians with cats. <laughs> like, I don't know how he didn't realize that. <laughs> Or nobody else has realized that it's literally the same plot line. <laughs> it's the same plot line with slightly different changes. It's so stupid. So let's just get into interesting production facts. Uh, my sources are from Wikipedia. Good God. A Mental Floss article by our girl Stacey Conrad um, and IMDb. There's really a, not a lot of drama about this. Um... <laughs> this movie uh so let's just get started aristocrats was meant to be a two-part live action installment um of walt disney's wonderful world of color back in 1954 it was walt himself who had decided the story was better suited for animation as Marin just said it was the first disney film produced after walt's death so some critics thought the loss of walt's direction hurt the movie from my eyes the new york times wrote about it saying bless um, the Walt Disney Organization for the Aristocrats, as a funny, warm, sweet, and animated cartoon package as ever gave a movie marquee a Christmas glow. I don't know what you were watching, Mr. New York Times critic. There was no hint of Christmas in that show, unless you're talking about the last <laughs> two, the two minutes where they were taking pictures. This is the first Disney animated feature film to not be produced under the Hayes Code, if you don't know the history of the Hayes Codes and its racism. Um, go look that up, and it's the first to be given an age rating theatrically. So this is where I think we're in the era where we can say that this movie was probably made for families or made with kids in mind. <clears throat> Grossed ten million in rentals. Now, listen to me when I say <laughs> when I was looking at how much money this movie made. Um, the Aristocrats has had a lifetime gross of fifty five point seven million U S dollars. Uh, in the United States and Canada, and a total lifetime world box office gross of a hundred and ninety-one million dollars. The movie cost four million to make. I want y'all to listen to this. Some of this shit, because <laughs> I was like, I was like, we could not have been watching the same 
movie. So, box office numbers. Um, by January of 1972, it earned $10 million in the U.S. and Canada. Overseas, it became the most popular general release movie at the British box office in 1961. The film was the most popular film in France in 1971, with $12.7 million. It ranked as the 18th highest grossing film of all time in France, a.k.a. because it's set in France. Um, the film is the most popular film released in Germany in 1971 with a mission of 11.3 million. What was going on in the world of the 70s <laughs> that everybody and their mother was watching this movie? God. Anyway, <clears throat> into casting. Once again, I'm going to need y'all to leave Louis Armstrong the hell alone. Louis Armstrong was intended to be the voice actor for Scat Cat, but Armstrong fell ill right around the time the studio began recording, so they recruited the appropriately nicknamed Scatman Crothers, a black man, instead later known for his role in The Shining and the voicing um, Meadowlark Lemon and on the animated TV series The Harlem Globetrotters. Um, the same actor who played Baloo in Jungle Book played Thomas O'Malley. If you couldn't tell that by listening to it, well, I guess you didn't watch the movies back to back like we did. Initially, Thomas O'Malley was supposed to be drawn with stripes to resemble the tabby cat. However, the director Redman learned during the production of Jungle Book with animation on Shere Khan was being done that animating stripes is difficult and time consuming and expensive, so they abandoned the idea. Um so the two geese named Abigail and Amelia, that was a reference for the adults of joy. Um, older kids might also get the reference. Abigail and Amelia are based on the chatty pigeon sisters from The Odd Couple, which was a popular television series. And the subject of the feature film in the 1960s, it even had its own Broadway production. The voice actors, Carol Shelley and Monica Evans, are the same actors that played the Pigeon Sisters. At the time, this would have been a recognizable pop culture reference, along with being really funny. Um, the mouse's name, Rofiort, is actually a kind of cheese. Um, Eva Gaber and Phil Harris, who were the Dutch, who played the Duchess and O'Malley, both passed away in 1995, only a month apart, uh, only a month and a week apart from each other. I think they were, um, <clears throat> I know Eva Garber and then I think the actor who played Lafayette were also co-stars on another show together, Edgar. Um, Edgar seems to be one of the less evil Disney villains, as he genuinely cares for the Duchess and the Kittens. I don't know where y'all got that from, IMDb. Until he hears about the wheel and chooses to abandon them and later send them away rather than killing them. Yeah, like kidnapping and trafficking cats is better than murdering them anyway. In one of the earlier scripts, Edgar had a partner in crime named Elvira. Um, Elsa Lancaster, Kitty Nanny, and Mary Poppins was cast in the role, but they scratched it. In 2003, Disney Channel considered making Marie Toulouse and Berlouz grow into teenagers for a syndicate show. Um, there was also an idea of making The Aristocrats 2 in 2005, which is also scrapped. It was supposed to have been like a murderless murder on the Orient Express. You said murder? Murder on the Orient Express? Yes, a murderless murder oh, on the mur- Orient okay. Express. Yeah, Murder on the okay. Orient Express is a book. <laughs> um, yes. So, as you can see, there's not really much happening behind the scenes. I would usually dig deeper for facts, but literally, I clicked on seven sites, and they all said the exact same thing. So, <laughs> we'll uh, be moving on to music with Sam. Okay, cool. So, um, the my sources are from Wikipedia as well, and IMDb and the Disney fandom wiki for a page for everybody wants to be a cat. Um, the so there's actually a lot of information on this. I only wrote down some because I didn't want to just make several pages worth of content. So, um, so the Aristocats soundtrack is actually very short. It's only six songs, but asterisks. It's like five because the last song is a reprise of Everybody Wants to Be a Cat. So I'm not counting it. So it's a five song soundtrack. One of Disney's shortest, especially since like probably in like 20, 30, 20 years since they had a soundtrack this short. Um, I feel like there was another soundtrack that was really short, but I can't remember which one. It might have been Dumbo, but I could be absolutely wrong. Um, But this one was a lasts for a lot of things. So like we said, this is Walt's 
movie that's this is the first one that was done after he died and so this was also the last disney animated feature with the sherman brothers robert and richard sherman as staff songwriters um they were growing frustrated with the studio's management following walt's death and so they said they were finished um this was going to be their last project they had done several songs for the soundtrack but most of them got cut besides three and that is um everybody no not everybody wants to be a cat um the last one it is scales and arpeggios it is the let me see why didn't i make this bigger okay it is scales and arpeggios it is the aristocats opening theme and she never felt alone and i don't even i saw the movie just now and i don't know what she, she never felt alone is but anyway um yeah they only only three were included um interestingly they came back to work for disney in 2000 for the tigger movie and i said huh why the tigger movie out of all the movies like not beauty and the beast not aladdin they said give us tigger i mean i'm here for it um and also fun fact if y'all didn't notice this either the voice of the mouse is the voice actor who did the Winnie the Pooh and the Cheshire Cat. So many reused people here. Um, like I said, it's the shorter songs. Um, like Tori already said, it was supposed to be, Scat Cat was supposed to be for Louis Armstrong, but he got sick during this time. And then mostly this um, Scatman Crothers mostly was told to quote unquote, pretend you're Satchmo. So I am guess that Satchmo was Louis Armstrong's nickname. Yeah, um it is. It is, yeah. yeah and so um this was um okay and so moving on this soundtrack was made to capture the essence of france but the funny thing is this sounds this soundtrack sounds the least french like i think we all know what I french music kind of sounds like about like, to say and i'm like all this work <laughs> for y'all to give me harlem like i don't get it like <laughs> Like to me, it's like they're like I think we all know what kind of Frenchy music sounds like. It's got like that right. guitar thing, and it's got sort of like honestly, it sounds like Bella Note kind of vibes. Like right. it sounds kind of very ballady, um, kind of waltzy waltzy music. Like mm -hmm. you go to a ball and dance to it. But like this, I'm like, why are y'all channeling like? giving me cab calloway what? instead of giving Why are you me channeling black <laughs> right like it's not giving french <laughs> like you should have just said it in harlem instead because right. the music is not matching up even, um, before you continue just to say that even mm -hmm. o'malley's voice doesn't sound like any type of french European right like what like he at all because the thing is he's supposed to be a native french cat and yet he has <laughs> in a boston-esque accent like what's happening um like you could have hired a french actor to come in i don't get it but hey that's, that's too on much them. like right once again we're asking too much of white men in the 60s <laughs> i mean what's crazy to their fellow whites like they didn't even <laughs> do a little for their fellow caucasians that's wild to me but um so then um, but what's crazy is that they did go out of their way for other stuff. Like um, they went out of their way for um, a retired singer and actor of, I believe the forties and fifth or could have been even further back, maybe thirties and forties. Don't quote me on that, but his name was Maurice Chev. Wow. Chevillier. Yeah. Chevillier, Chevillier. I don't yeah, know how Chevalier. to pronounce it. Chevalier. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. He is a French singer and Chevalier. actor. European last name. So they they hired him to sing the song The Aristocats, but they did not hire him to act. So that's the crazy part. Like you and they they did a lot of work to convince him to come out of retirement at his older age. Keep in mind he was like in his 70s at this time. And they were like, please come sing this opening song. And I mean, like, it's a big deal that they got him, but like you could have I don't I don't know like why that's not even the the main song of the movie but anyway um so for the demo Richard Sherman imitated Chevalier's voice and then Chevalier received the demo and was brought he was mostly convinced like to go out of retirement and sing the song and it, that was his last work before his death in 1972 
Um, there are many, many deleted songs that did not make it to the soundtrack. Um, Porquoi? Por- Porquoi? Porquoi. Porquoi. <laughs> Come through Corey with the pronunciation. <laughs> Porquoi, um, which was supposed to be a song that the madam was supposed to sing, didn't happen. Um, she never felt alone. I feel like that was on the soundtrack, but why did they have that's strange? So, oh no, 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 this one's different. I feel like they changed who sang this one. Um, Le Jazz Hot was supposed to be the Sherman Brothers. Um, that was cut. One of their songs that was cut. Um, Thomas O'Malley's song was supposed to be "The Ways the Highway," composed by Terry Gil- Gilkison. Um, mostly in an interview, he said it was the same song that the original Thomas O'Malley song that he introduces himself with. It's the same song, but they redid it and they orchestrated it twice. They used the simpler version because they thought the other was too elaborate or too hot. (laughs) I don't know what he means by that. Um, It was the jazz version with a four full orchestra. So they picked a simpler version for the Thomas O'Malley song where he's singing to the, what's her name? Duchess and her kids, her kittens. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Then, um, Lastly, a villainous song was envis- envisioned to be sung by Edgar um, and his assistant um, as a <laughs> as his assistant who assistant as a romantic duet, but it was dropped when oh that makes sense okay Elri- Elvira, Elvira Elvira was supposed to be another character, but she was dropped and this they were supposed to have a villainous duet song together and so that because she was cut the song was cut. But like all of Disney's works, they in 2015 released um, a legacy collection and all these songs are on there. Um, you can listen to them if you like. I, For me, the ones that were the most like I was eager to was like Cinderella because I, that movie, just the songs were top tier and even like the mid songs were kind of still good. This, I don't know if I'm going to listen to them, but um but the legacy collection is on streaming it's there for purchase if y'all want to listen to it um i bet maybe one of them hits i don't know um (laughs) the instrumental music of course was composed by george bruns he makes his he continues his work with disney even through this era um and like tori said they really the similarities between this and the jungle books the bare necessities they're immense because they're mostly just like making i feel like they were just continuing that soundtrack not realizing they were continuing that soundtrack um Mm -hmm. both like there are similarities in that both songs like O'Malley's song and the bare necessities were both used as introductions of a character both by Phil Harris (coughs) both written by Terry Gilkison like they uh, plagiarized themselves and they didn't even realize it they didn't even notice it that's why I'm saying like I feel like they would have done well if they would have hired some French composers but you know Disney would never um uh the or like make it classical because french classical music that's a thing so like Mm. i I mean they were just like give us black (laughs) um but no black people besides like a black coated louis armstrong cat um the okay the only exception to this like we copy pasted from the jungle book musically was everybody wants to be a cat which was written by floyd huddleston and al rinker so those were not people who worked on the jungle book um this okay references the song everyone wants to be everybody wants to be a cat was referenced in a live action remake of 101 del nations again full circle so it's like meta met what do you call it breaking the fourth wall yet again like referencing a movie that it's kind of the same as but in the nine two thousands the live action with glenn close is like 2003 four i don't know that's it's full circle just a circle um then uh it was referenced there and it was okay that's the which the puppies ended up watching before switching to homeward bound okay interesting um the song was parodied uh and included on the vhs tape disney sing-along songs the bare necessities again full circles with the names and inclusions of yeah um and it was later reused for disney sing-along songs circle of life um, in the House of Mouse with Everybody Wants to Be a Wolf. <laughs> a wolf. Okay. That's so stupid. God. Yeah. <laughs> and the last thing, I just want to say this because it's like the main thing when it comes to the music. Everybody Wants to Be a Cat is incredibly racist. Um, oh, like, 
very like this on the racist tier is like up there with what makes the red man red in my opinion like it's yeah and up there with like i with um with dumbo's when i see everything fly like it's on the list because it's just for those of you who have not seen it they have a cat who hold and it's an asian cat it's supposed to be an asian cat so crazy because like i knew this was a racist scene and i was like what else is so racist about this besides louis armstrong and then i started to hear the other cats talk and then this this siamese cat starts playing the the piano with chopsticks with chopsticks and and the lyrics are like hong kong kung fu (laughs) suit like i'm like wow 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 and they they and they said let's keep this in and you know what's crazy like the other cats i didn't even realize there's like a quote-unquote coded like mexican cat and i'm like whoa i didn't forgot this happened and i'm like Oh, they were just throwing stereotypes at the wall. They said everyone's gonna get stereotyped here. Um, very racist. That's why they have the disclaimer at the beginning of the movie because oh, I, once again, didn't see the disclaimer. I just oh, you didn't. <laughs> they just over, yeah. over, over. <laughs> yeah. They have a disclaimer at the beginning of this movie, um, and all of their like very racist movies of that time, saying like, please watch this with discretion. We don't are this doesn't reflect our modern values. Yada yada yada. Mm. but it's it's there because of this scene um yeah and so that's the music do y'all know did y'all know any of these songs or did you hear any of these songs in the wild before this movie the one thing that i remember is the little humdig that the lawyer sings while walking in whatever that is yeah yeah, what that is, is that? I, I was like, head. is this? I don't know. Does that come from this movie? Because it's not it's not noticed as like a, a song no credit. Because I was like, this might be, I was like, there's no way I, I that this is just from this movie. Because that's right. like, that's like, I felt like that's older than, I don't know. I was just like, that Ta- Oh, yeah, it's Tarara Bumbie. Oh, Tarara Bumbie. Yeah, I was like, that's got to be something. What that can't be from that? this. Oh, it's an opera. Okay. Oh wow! It's an yeah. opera. Oh, I knew it was not from this okay. movie. I was like, "There's no way Disney came up with something that like that permeated in like my child brain for from the '70s." There's no way. Yeah. This the but. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I think Tara. I think it's like, um, apart from a classical opera i can't see according to reddit it's either from carmen or it's from la donna el mobile by rigoletta mm. Mm, so, that makes sense. i guess it's something yeah oh wait it's supposed to be a joke okay this is a reddit comment it's supposed to be a joke i'm pretty sure around the same period vaudeville would have been very popular and this song was a risky vaudeville song that was a riff on a traditional opera. Basically, vaudeville was meant to be an anti-hybrid clean cut. Oh, that's super itchy. Yeah, Tarara Bumbi, it was a vaudeville musical hall song. Never mind. Um, okay. The melody was later used in various contexts of Howdy Doody. Okay, there's like a whole thing on here, but I think it's supposed to be like a <laughs> mimic of an opera song. Interesting. It's so like a parody sh- almost. Yeah, like a, that's like a lot of what Volville shows do. Because it's supposed to be like anti, like high class opulence. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Um, but had you heard, you said you just heard of this one. You hadn't heard any of the other songs. I remember the scenes. I don't remember the melodies. I don't remember O'Malley's song at all. Um, everybody wants to be a cat. Like I know that, that the ending. Like everybody, ev- do I know the words to the song? Absolutely not. That's it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's gotcha. it. Yes. What about um, you, Marin and Corey? Um, I definitely remember hearing some of these melodies. I just didn't. It's not like you know, like when you wish upon a star or anything like that or everybody mm-hmm. or what's the there's one song from the jungle book too that i always remember very vividly but i just remember the melodies from this song so when i like from this movie so when i heard the actual song in the movie i was like oh okay this is where this is from gotcha what about you Marin? 
Not for me. I didn't recognize any of the songs. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 So for me, I'd give this, I feel like it's not, I wouldn't even call this a proper soundtrack because it doesn't feel robust enough for me. So Mm -hmm. I would give this like, I wouldn't rate it that high. Um, I feel like take, I wish they could make a, I wonder if they sell the everybody wants to be a cat without the racist parts. Um, But I doubt it. Um, The best song to me on this soundtrack is actually the scales and arpeggios one. I was like, oh, I remember this song. It's very simple, very like a piano the kids sing it. It's good. Um, yeah, so that's it for the music. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you, Nia. Let's move on to critiques with Corey. Okay, uh, so for the critiques, the first one is coming from medium.com, um, an article called Feminisney. Yeah, Feminisney, The Jungle Book, and The Aristocats by Sean Randall. And basically in the article, um, they were saying that some positive things were like um, there was good representation of single mothers in the in this movie in the form of like the Duchess, mm-hmm. um, how she still had her kids and like was able to live a really good lifestyle. But they do note that like that's because she had rich owners. So it's like it's mm-hmm. not really anything of her merit. But yeah. Um, and then for Madame Adelaide, um, a wealthy aristocratic woman who never mentions having a husband or wanting one. I was like, I thought that was an interesting point, even though like, I don't know if that's because like feminism, you can still want to have a husband and be a mm-hmm. feminist. I was just like, okay, right. I, like whatever. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> the negative, they were saying they were very strict gender roles, um, displaying need for a male figure to guide uh, a female figure. I guess they're talking about O'Malley and, uh, the Duchess. Uh, author the mm-hmm. author does say that this is not nearly as bad as it is in other Disney films, though. So it was kind of like a nitpicky, like if I had to critique it, you know, this would be some of the reasons why. Mm-hmm. And so the next critique of, is about the racism that Nia mentioned earlier. Um, the article comes from a site called Distractify. The article titles, Everybody Wants to Be a Cat, But Now That Aristocats is Cancelled. Let me just say that I really hate the term cancelled now because y'all over overuse right. it. Like, literally. Uh, the article is by Jamie Lanier. So, <laughs> the cat is depicted as a racist caricature of East Asian peoples with exaggerated stereotypical traits such as slanted eyes, um, buck teeth, uh the cat sings in poorly 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 accented english and the whole time he's having this poor poorly accented english is very obvious that he's mocking like how a chinese immigrant would speak and what makes it worse is that this character was voiced by a white man Mm. and so as nia mentioned the cat played the song with chopsticks and it was saying things like Shanghai, Hong Kong, Egg Fu Yang, Fortune Cookie, Always Wrong. And like, the thing about that is just like, the cat's supposed to be Siamese and they're making fun of Chinese people. Siam is supposed to be Thailand. Uh, right. That's what I Thailand is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, you're like, like, really? Like, really? <laughs> like, y'all are that? Like, I don't know. It's just Disney's racism is just so stupid. Like, <laughs> And then, like, yeah. not only is the cat's character depicting the film racist, but the history behind it is no better. That's what I just said about the cat being um, Thai. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Disney and East Asian people, they just this. I don't know. <laughs> it's just not good. Yeah. Um, in addition to it being racist in this movie, it was also transformed into a comic book, like uh, the Aristocats. Um, so in the comic version, <laughs> with what content? I don't know. I really don't know. So in the comic book version of the Aristocats, which came out in 1971, the cat's nickname became uh, Chino, which is an offensive name for calling somebody. The like basically, it's like supposed to mean somebody of Chinese descent, but it's like offensive, it's like calling a Jewish person a Jew, something like right. that. Yeah, 
So those were the main two critiques. There wasn't really much about this movie because, like, Tori was saying, like, the way you see summarize it, like, this movie is just, like, nothing. You turn on the background and it plays for, like, 79 minutes. Not really any substance to it. It was very boring. So... Yeah, also, I it dawned on me while I was were preparing for this episode um, that cat is AAVE. Like, yep, I was gonna I bring was that up. Like, like, it's it's a double entendre, <laughs> it's a double entendre written by white men. And I'm like, yeah, you didn't even use it correctly. Also, if you listen to the lyrics, there's like incorrect AAVE used in them. <laughs> if you yeah. read the lyrics, and I'm just sitting here like, why were y'all so obsessed with jazz all of a sudden? Like right like what's to... what's and this is jazz is like not okay listen y'all jazz in the 70s it's giving like experimental like it's not pop mainstream as much anymore like jazz in the 70s was good but it yeah. wasn't topping the charts like this is the era of like funk and disco and y'all are like jazz had already <laughs> made another genre and they were obsessed with that after y'all right jazz and during the Harlem Renaissance, which was in the 30s and the 20s. So, like, also, exactly, also to me, like, again, we talked about this in the Jungle Book. Jazz is so black to me that, like, when I see other people, like, I can see other musicians perform jazz, but to make, like, jazz music and then somehow project all their racial stereotypes into it, I just, it just doesn't click in my head. And I'm just, like, I didn't... I don't even understand how they, one, I don't understand how you get an original script and then plagiarize yourself in the end product. <laughs> like, yeah. that alone is a jump, yeah. and a skip, and a hop. You know what's crazy, Tori? You just put a thought in my head. Like, the gentrification of jazz, I feel like Disney might have contributed to it as well. Because these films were wildly popular globally. So if you were in Germany, and this is the first jazz song you've ever heard, or, like, one of the first, or, like... It's like some of the mes- like most mainstreamy type of jazz you've heard. Like it's giving, uh, I don't know how to put it. It's like they contributed to like, oh, this is jazz for the world to see. But that's like the watered down version of it. So it's like, ah, to me, Disney definitely had a hand in contributing to like the whitewashing of jazz, in yeah. my opinion. Someone needs to write a paper on this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's one. I'm sure we can yeah. find one. Somebody who's written on it. Somebody who's like a music doctorate person has written yeah. something about this. How has this movie affected us and others? Well, Nia just mentioned a great impact it's probably had on people outside of the U.S. Um, the constant othering of people of color, especially Asian people, because all the terms are wrong. The depiction is so stupid. Um like, why? I don't even understand how adding the chopsticks into the cat playing the piano was a thing. He was literally playing the drums that entire scene, and then they just moved on to the piano scene. It was stupid. Um, impact within pop culture, I guess, besides the whitewashing of jazz, it doesn't really have one. I would not show this to my children. It's dumb. They can watch the one, one dimension and still get the same story <laughs> and the same racism. Like, <laughs> how do you play the story and the racism? The exact same racism. It's so stupid. Um, This is a three. It's it's a boring movie. Um, It's a remake of 101 Dalmatians with a worse soundtrack. <laughs> What about you, Mary? What do you rate this movie? Um, I rate this movie like a two. It's so boring. Um, <laughs> as I said, real disappointing after The Jungle Book. And I feel like a movie like this today would be immediately sent to streaming services. It would not be put in. It would not right. be shown in theaters. But yeah, two for me. What about you, Corey? I would say three as well because it's pretty, but... Like, other than that, yeah. like, it has no substance to it. There's no reason to watch this. Like, Tori's saying, watch Jungle Book, watch Lady and the Tramp. Like, literally. What I mean, not Jungle you? Book. 101 Dominations. 101 Dominations, yes. Yeah. What about you, Nia? Uh, I would do about the same. I'd give it, like, a 4 or 5 because nostalgia hard carried this experience for me because... I, rem- I just was like, oh, yeah, I for- totally forgot this movie existed until now. So that kind of hard carried my attention. So I, that's just, but those, like, those two extra points are not needed. They're just nostalgia points. 
What about you, Tori? Yeah, it's a three. I just... <laughs> it's just so stupid. Once again, the only thing I miss is the animation style of that time. I do love the sketchiness of animation. Um, but yeah, that's it. Okay, moving on to our next film. We're going to be doing Robin Hood next. We're moving into obscure 70s and 80s movies before we hit the golden era in 91. So Robin Hood is our next movie up. I think I actually remember enjoying this as a child. So Is it good? People people say this is like the controversial trash era of Disney. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't um, there a version of Robin Hood that has Martin Lawrence? Wait, yes. huh? there's this there's yes. a movie with martin lawrence like a black, I'm yeah <laughs> martin What's lawrence it's like a he gets transported back to oh yeah i like times. just watched that movie last year black knight it's called black yeah. knight <laughs> i was like there is something with Lar- martin lawrence as a knight or something <laughs> <laughs> it's called black knight so we will be doing the animated robin hood with their animals it's a funny story i think this was a really interesting time in Disney, because this is after Walt's death, and before they hit the real big money makers, so I think this would be interesting. But these are like these are like the movies where people who were like hardcore, who were children in the seventies and eighties. Like if you say your favorite Disney movies is like Pete's Dragon or The Brave Little Toaster, I was like, oh, you were born in like I've literally <laughs> never heard of either of those. <laughs> You've never heard of the Brave. You've Little never heard of Brave Little. Listen, Brave Little Toaster kind of hits. Like it kind of. It hits, does. So. It does. The Brave Little Toaster hits. Yes. <laughs> Listen, we'll get to him in. Let's see. This is September, October, November, December, <laughs> January, in February. We will get to the. Oh no. February, March, April. <laughs> we'll be at the Brave <laughs> <laughs> We won't hit um, April, March, uh, oh, March, August. <laughs> March, January, February, March. Why can I think? January, February, March, April, May, <laughs> June, July. We won't get to Little Mermaid until July of next year. So. Oh wow! Wait, is that <laughs> when the movie comes out? Wait, when does the the the? If that matches up, that that's it. That would be like insane. When is the slate date for this? May. Oh, we might have to oh, mix wow. it up. Yes, May, June, July. Yeah, we'll have to do the Little Mermaid earlier because I have to go see this. Oh yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it just just to oppose those very (laughs) idiotic people online. So we will be watching the animated Little Mermaid and then in the theaters to watch Haley's Little Mermaid, which y'all know we are 110% ready the fuck. I almost cried watching that teaser. I was like, why is this giving me Brandy Cinderella? Like, I'm right. It gave me the nostalgia of seeing Brandy Cinderella for the first time when I was listening to Haley's thing and being a mermaid. I was like, <gasps> yeah, Haley, like, she has her, she's like, she literally has Disney voice. Like, she literally she has does. a Disney singing voice. Her, she sounds like a Disney fucking princess. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah. This is gonna be so good. I'm upset that the prince is not something other than white, but that's fine. That's fine. I would have, if I was casting this, the prince would have been something other than white, and then the mermaid would have been. I mean, then Ursula would have been a drag queen. But you know, I digress. We can only <laughs> ask for so much <laughs> progress a little at a time, obviously. Um, but also, like, maybe we'll do a a special episode. Where we talk about all the upcoming Disney movies, because did y'all see like all the 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 futuristic African movies they're gonna have? Um, <laughs> oh my god, it's a movie. I don't know if this is them or if it's Pixar. Is this or like um her being casted in Beauty and the Beast? Uh, who? Yes. What? Her, yes, her just got casted for Beauty and the Beast. Y'all, black mm. girls are taking over. I'm so excited. Wait, didn't they already make a live action Beauty and the Beast? I, so I don't know. I thought they did. Yeah, yeah they with, did. Um, yeah. That girl. What's so, oh I don't my really god? This Emma Watson. Yeah, <laughs> that really famous British girl, and she could not sing at all. Okay, so in life. <laughs> it's called Iwaju, and it's based off the fictitious Lagos, and it's like a science fiction African 
Oh, they're making um, a Nigerian oh, wow. movie. I mean, yeah, a Nigerian, Nigerian a Nigerian, a fictitious Nigeria, like sci-fi fantasy movie, and Ooh. I can't wait for that. Um, that sounds awesome. Lagos. Okay, this is what I'm asking about for <laughs> black people and things that are not trauma based. Oh, yeah. right. her is gonna star in ABC's Bell. Oh, okay. okay. It's almost like ABC. It's a hybrid live action animation special. I'm here for it because her okay. sing. Nice. Mm-hmm. She'll be black and Filipino. Belle. We better get. Love to see it. The blade. A point for the Blasians. <laughs> the Blasians win again. So, you know, Disney's doing some shit. I'm right. Okay. I'm nervous when they get to Tiana. Like, that, that kind of makes me a little, like, it keeps me up at night. Because I. It does. <laughs> I feel that like someone on Twitter is like, you need to cast Zendaya, and I'm like, blocked. I was you know, just about to say that. Please <laughs> don't. So you know what? Somebody, there was two things on Twitter that got me the other day that really had me almost crying in tears, and I feel like I'm going to hell. One of them was that somebody said, oh, Haley, she's like, it just dawned on me that the Little Mermaid, Haley, um, she doesn't speak for most of the movie. We better get internal dialogue for the Little Mermaid <laughs> I'm gonna cry because mm. the whole point is that they took her voice. <laughs> yeah, um, Hallie got this far with no speaking roles. <laughs> um, the second one is that even if they do re- remake Tiana, she's a fraud for most of the movie. So I don't. Oh know. wow! Why oh, did you yeah. to remind me of that? that is oh my god! You remind me of- right, See, this yes. is okay. When we get to. When we get to the Princess and the Frog, that's going to be like a five-hour episode because <laughs> there's so much to say. If they ever make a Princess and the Frog um, live action, I'm sorry. I can't sit through it. I'm not watching the Frog. Oh, yeah? You don't like Frogs? Oh, right. Yeah. Right. The fear like that frogs. just ran through me to sit in a two-hour film and watch Frogs? Maybe. No. Maybe I'm sorry. we'll just like... Instead of them being frogs, we'll just be like, see them as people, and we are the under Oh, I hope frogs. and pray because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they will not get my money. I'm sorry. I'm not. I just know that Prince Naveen better be fine as hell. They better cast yep, the y'all finest right? drama If y'all find. don't cast a South Asian man, I will fight everybody and their mother. He has to be South Asian and black or one or the other. He can't be somebody else. from Guyana, bro. Just go to the right. go to the West Indies, get somebody, like do something yes. like that. Caribbean right. somebody. He can't he can't be anything other than tall, dark, and handsome, literally. <laughs> like right, not the white version, <laughs> meaning brunette. <laughs> okay, you guys. Um, thank you for listening to the Commented Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, don't forget us to give a five star review. You can come talk to us about how you didn't also like the Aristocats on um, Twitter at Commented, TikTok at Commented Podcast, or you can come join our Discord. Links are in all bios. But until next time, I'm Tori. I'm Marin. I'm Nia. And I'm Decoria. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.